Hey everybody, Donnie Bovine here. Thank you so much for listening to the episodes. Do me a favor, if you get any value out of these, would you leave me a review? It would mean the world to me. I'm on a massive mission to help as many people as I possibly can get to freedom through building a business. I gotta be honest, building a business is by far the toughest thing I've ever done in my life, and I promise you, my business has worked on me more than I've ever worked on it. I don't think there's a better tool in the world to meet the dude in the mirror than building your own company. You're going to find out what the hell you're made of. In these episodes, I bring on the people that have been through it, gone through it, done it, built monstrous companies, and I get them to coach me on how to actually level up, grow, and scale my business. They're hitting me with some hard questions. They're bringing some amazing advice. And, and I'm telling you, I take notes from every one of these episodes from these people that have actually lived it. They've gone through it and have turned their businesses into amazing empires. So I hope you find a ton of value in this. And I hope that this becomes something you come back to and listen to often. Uh, I tell you, business finance is one of the things that I've struggled with the most uh, when it comes to running the companies because, you know, I didn't learn that side of the business as I was a sales guy. You know, my biggest thing I did was track my, you know, sales so I could figure out what my commissions were on a regular basis. But, you know, uh, I think I've, I saw like one P&L profit and loss statement in my life before starting my own company. Yeah, you'd think with the the concept that you and I are actually so different on how we think and do things and where our strengths lie, that one of us would be a money person. But somehow we ended up with both of us not being yeah, money dude. people. No, just to that point, and, and I wanted to come back to that thought, but uh, I heard on a on a podcast once upon a time, you know, and, and having kind of a partner in business is almost like having a marriage because you're going to spend a lot of time talking together. And they said the most dangerous marriage in the world is two people with money mindset problems, which is a really <laughs> awesome. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because you both have the, the, the that broke mindset, you know, um, and that's a massive hurdle to conquer. Yeah. And, you know, and my sales experience was similar to yours. You know, we and they shared some financial stuff with us, but it was, you know, average revenue per user, uh, you know, cost yeah, per yeah. gross ad. We were getting all that stuff and we we're able to see, oh, sweet, our average revenue is going up. That's awesome. CPGA is going down, all that type of stuff. So we understood those metrics, uh, but we didn't see like you know, ROI, they didn't talk to us about, all right, so we spent this much on this marketing event with the Vikings. Here's how much that we actually brought in from. Here's what we can, we can track back to it. So it was really sub, you know, that really high surface level stuff. And yeah, I'm, I, if I didn't have someone that was doing my taxes for me, uh, they, they wouldn't have gotten done. <laughs> well, it's that that funny that you th that you said the Vikings thing because when I was working for a medicine shop, a Cardinal Health company at the time, uh, we I do know we spent a million dollars on advertising, you know, with the Cardinals, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. But if we don't know the, I 
I, I didn't know the impact of it. I mean, I didn't know where that fell in the scheme of, you know, a hundred million dollar company that you know, division we were at, I guess at that point, you know, but uh, I didn't know what that meant. Mm -hmm. One at that time, I couldn't wrap my head around what the fuck a million dollars was, you know? So, and, and I think that money is just a taboo thing, you know, that, that, I mean, talking about money is like talking about sex. So, uh, and I know at one point oh, when I was doing Sandler, uh, my business partner there, I remember him trying to teach me and walk me through the P&L and it was a spreadsheet full of fucking numbers and I just didn't give a shit. I wish I would have, right? It would have made, made more sense, you know, after I got into business, but uh, there, there's so many, for me, big words inside of business finance that... You know, it's like almost like you need an Encyclopedia Britannica and a dictionary yeah. sitting next to you to wrap your head around all the things that that you got to do in business. Well, and it's it's like when they talk about you see in the news and they're talking about profit for businesses. I, now I always ask myself, all right, which profit are they talking about? <laughs> right, because there's like four. Yeah, gross uh, profit, and, revenue profit. You know, yeah, and a lot of times people say profit and they actually just mean revenue. It's like, oh, they had record-breaking profits this quarter. It's like, no, they had record-breaking revenue. Oh, what's their what's their expenses? Yeah, and it's because people don't understand the term. And, and I don't think it's just us. Because we hear this from uh, people that we work with as well. And that that uh, we have in Champions Table and different uh, success champions in general. They're talking about the conversations they're having with their business partners about cash flow. And yep. it's like, my business partner just did this and I don't understand how he's, this is going on. And it, so this money thing is, is a really serious thing. I think that a lot of people need to really get their head wrapped around or they're going to have some really huge problems. Yeah. I, I, you know, was thinking about uh, all the numbers and the things that we look at and, you know, there's client acquisition costs. There is, you know, ad spend there's just so many different things that i mean for me i've had to really understand that money is is a skill set and has to be learned and it, it's like you know whether you're looking at your personal finances or your business finances matt it's it's you got to learn it you can't hand this off to somebody else. It's like all those people that want to hire a salespeople, salesperson because they suck at sales, right? You can not have that luxury when it comes to, uh, uh, you know, looking at your numbers. And for the longest time, I didn't want to look at the numbers. <laughs> well, I, I think that's a big part of it too, because, it, you know, it's, it's that mental mindset of, well, if I don't look at it, it's... It's not, not that bad. actually a problem, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's okay. I'm just going to ignore it. And it's everything will be fine. Uh, but that's not how it works. Yeah. You know, um, I heard a, a, an episode uh, uh, or Alex Hermosi talking about it, that his greatest motivational factor was cash flow. And I thought that's an interesting thing to learn to earn validation based off of cash flow. And I thought that's a good place to be. I, I mean, because cash flow in your business is is a beast. And cash flow, just because if you're not sure what that is, that's the cash coming in and cash going out of your business. And you got to have enough cash flowing in to cover the cash flowing out. 
though and then you've got to have enough that there's some left over to be investing paying you know people and the like so um uh, but measuring or trying to find validation from cash flow is a really really cool way of looking at it and looking at your business from an investment standpoint so that's where i'm really upgrading myself is how do i take the money and invest it in because I know if I ask most small business owners, if I were to hand you $100,000, what would you do with it? Most of them are going to say, I don't know, you know, because they, they, they're not projecting their business forward enough to be able to say, well, this is exactly what I would do with that 100000 because they don't know the next move uh, because they're not thinking at scale. Yeah. And, and you asked me that question over the weekend. You messaged me. It's like, all right, so if we had $10,000, what would you spend it on? And I was like, all right. So I know what first immediately came into my mind. I mean, then I had a bunch of other ones and, and, and you had a different idea how you would have spent it. So, you know, I think that is. Well, this is what's telling me real quick. I mean, so yeah. I said $10,000. Kevin immediately replied that he, we would go with the, the software for the automation. Uh, yeah, the, the back end database, database that yeah. allows that gives us the infrastructure to scale. Yeah. yeah. So I was and like, sweet, we can have that. Now we can add a, a thousand members on and I'm not going to go bald. Uh, so <laughs> You're already bald. What are you talking about? <laughs> kind of. Not completely. I still have some left. Uh, yeah, but that's that's just somebody that that is just not willing to commit, is all that is with that hair that's left. <laughs> um yeah, but for me, you know, I know we need to increase the volume of people coming in. So I agree the database is, is a actual big thing that we need to knock out. Um, but I also want to start really heavily going after marketing spend and uh, bringing on key personnel that can help bring more brand awareness. So I'd be hiring a YouTube expert, Instagram expert, you know, LinkedIn expert and getting them to get us completely dialed in on these different platforms because for me, revenue, you know, fixes a lot of lot of issues. Um, I'm yep. going to start changing that phrase. The cash flow fixes a lot of issues um, because I really want to start focusing more in that arena. So, but I think oftentimes as you look at your business, you know, you need to be looking at what's the the long game, what's the long play here, you know, and how are you allocating your money to reinvest in your business? And I think that's a big shift for a lot of people yep. because you go from working from somebody to your own company, you think, how do I pay myself, right? How do I, you know, keep more of the money? What, what new toy can I buy myself moving forward versus how do you invest in the business? Yeah. And I'm really, that's one of the reasons I'm really excited to have Hannah on with us today is that usually when you talk to a, uh, a finance expert for business, whether that's an accountant or a, a CFO for hire or you're a bookkeeper, a lot of them are really just focused on the numbers piece and they're really focused on, all right, so how do we, how do we track the numbers? How, you know, what do the numbers mean? She actually adds in that personal piece, which yeah. I think is really cool on helping people figure out why their heads react to money conversations the way they do. And I think that's a huge piece. And that's something that, you know, we've been working on just in general for our, ourselves. And like, right, so what are our major mental blockages about growing success champions and going bigger and then working through them? I think you have to have those same conversations about money. So I think Hannah's going to be a really badass conversation for us. 
Yeah, yeah, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, she just brings a fun twist anytime you talk to her. Um, and she just got a gentle nature as a whole that that uh, that I love. So, so y'all strapping in is going to be a fun episode uh, as we sit and talk with uh, money with Hannah Chapman. Success Champion Networking has been by far the coolest project we've ever built. You know, bringing together like-minded, badass CEOs and business owners that are rapidly growing and scaling your business. When you do networking the right way, you can't help but, you know, open doors for others, help others build their businesses, and they help you build yours. You know, it's time that networking got an upgrade. And with Success Champions Networking, we've literally changed and solved the problem of what most people hate about networking, you know, no multi-level marketing, you know, no scams, you know, you've got to be a legit badass to be a part of these groups. So if you're looking to up your game, grow your business, scale and go bigger, come hang out at successchampionnetworking.com. All right. So I'm really, really stoked to have Hannah on here today. Uh, she spoke at our Badass Business Summit and dude, she just flat out crushed it. The uh, number of people that came up to me afterwards just bragging about uh, everything she talked about was really, really cool. So I'm stoked to have her here today. Uh, and we're really going to focus in on you know the mindset of your business finances and your personal finances and why those two things should not be the same and how much they screw it up. So Hannah, let's jump right in. Why the hell do so many entrepreneurs carry their personal financial head trash into their business? Oh, that's, uh, that's the question, isn't it? Like, what, what is going on? Why, why do we do this to ourselves? And honestly, I think the main reason is because we don't identify the money stories that are coming up from literally, you know, every experience we've had up until this point, it's like we run these patterns of how we understand money, how we understand what it means to provide, how we understand what it means to be provided for from our childhood. And unless we actually like look at them and say, oh, you know, I don't have to do that. I don't have to fear having money. I don't have to fear, you know, getting money, asking for money. All of that stuff is just, a, it's a head programming that we keep running on repeat until we interrupt the pattern and choose a new one. When, when you say the word money story, define that for me. Yeah. So a money story, um, or you might hear it up, come up as like a money block. Um, you might say something like that. It's, it's something that stops you in your tracks from doing the thing that you need to do. Um, so that could be, you know, getting on a sales call, Right. And it comes to the point where you need to tell the person how much it costs to work with you. And then suddenly your whole body contracts and you're like, like, I don't want to tell them that it costs $5,000 to do this. Right. What are they going to say? And you start, uh, you start playing from your playbook, what they're going to say, why they're going to reject you. Right. And so all of the fears come up when you even approach that subject of this costs money. The other side of that would be the entrepreneurs who are like, I just want to help everybody. I just want to, you know, so I want to be affordable. I want to be available because I just want to help everyone. Like, well, guess what? You're not actually like providing for yourself if all you're doing is, you know, keeping your prices so low because that's, that's a money story of that's, you know, that's how I get love is by being available. And if I up my prices, 
then people aren't going to love me. Right. And so we don't necessarily equate those things. We're like, no, that's personal and this is business. But as soon as you feel that wave of heat in your body, right, when you go to tell someone what your prices are or when someone rejects you and says, no, this isn't for me right now, that emotion that comes up, that flash, you know, your pits get all sweaty, you know, like all of it, everything that happens is a marker that, oh, there's something going on deeper. You don't have to react that way. Kevin, you've never gotten sweaty or nervous on a sales call ever, (laughs) have you? (laughs) Well, I was saying to a sales call that I wasn't planning on having this week that I ended up having this week uh, where it was a a friend of mine was like, yeah, we want to do some drip campaigns and and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, cool. Awesome. So we're talking about it. And then I'm like, all right. And he's like, so how much is this going to cost? I'm like, Oh, $2,000 a month. And, uh, and I'm, and my, my head trash at the time wasn't, I didn't really have a problem with saying the $2,000 a month. It was my head trash was going to the, you know, all right. He is traditionally not a person who has a lot of fluid capital to do stuff. And, you know, I'd really like to help him, but I also understand that I have a responsibility for what my time is worth and I can't bring on free people anymore. Uh, And Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, and then really thinking about it, it's like, why am I even having this conversation? Because I know this isn't going to be a thing. Mm-hmm. See, and I had an interesting one this week pop up too. Actually, it was last week I gave a speech. And after the speech, so so the gal who got me to speak had, had never seen me speak. We've been friends for years. She runs a small summit and she'd never seen me speak before. And so she invited me out last minute. One of the other speakers backed out. She called me up. She goes, hey, can you fill in? So when I go to the front of the room, she goes, hey, I, wrote, I got a whole bunch of questions for you, um, you know, that I can ask you to help you through this speech. And I said, we, can we try something? And she goes, sure. I said, how about you just let me free flow and do what I do and we'll see what happens if you feel like you need the questions and ask me. She goes, all right, let's try it. And it was funny because I watched her slowly going from the front of the room to slowly move and move. And all of a sudden she was sitting in the audience listening. Right. So mm-hmm. um, I know how I'm good in front of a room. And uh, but afterwards. And she walked up to me. She goes, dude, that was unbelievable. She goes, people were hugging you afterwards. And, you know, it was insane the amount of energy you put in that room. But we didn't talk about a speaker fee before you came and spoke. So I have a $300 speaker fee. And my exact words, no way, you son of a bitch, were, ah, oh, keep it. <laughs> and then freaking her I went, her assistant walked up to me and said, hey, did Deb tell you about the, the speaker fee of $300? I said, oh, y'all, y'all keep it. Twice. Twice. I they're turned trying down to throw money. money at you. Yes, they're trying. And I wanted to tell you, I was like, son of a bitch, where the hell does that damn money story come from? But that's exactly what you're mm-hmm. talking about is all those things or reactions to things that we have that pop up at various moments in time. And they're all dependent on usually shit that happened to us in our past. And, and that is why right. Donnie isn't with Chippendales anymore, because he kept turning down the dollar bills. <laughs> kept trying to, yeah, exactly. I still look good in the Speedo, though, so. <laughs> no, that's that's it. That's exactly it. And the way that you just described that, it was the knee-jerk, Yep. right? It was your knee-jerk reaction to be like, oh, no, no, I'm just doing this for you, rather than pausing for a moment. And what I would, what I would, have you even think about like now, like to redo, this is a, this is a practice that I go through with my clients, literally redo it. 
in your own mind of when they say, oh, our speaker fee is $300. Pause. Don't re knee jerk react. Take a breath and say, thank you. Smart. Thank you. Right. Give yourself a moment. And then if you on reflection say, you know what, I really appreciate that I got to do this and give an explanation for why you would reject the money or you can still choose, right? You, you're not running an old pattern. You're interrupting yeah. the pattern. I love that. It's, it's, it's literally a reprogramming. What's funny is I've sold million dollar deals, right? And, I, and mm -hmm. I've been around some massive fucking transactions. So, so I was talking to Mandy Morris, who's my therapist and, and talking to her about it. And like, why did I respond that way? And she goes, it's Christmas money. I said, explain what Christmas money is. And she goes, when, you know, when the holidays get here, you want to make sure everybody feels good. So you end up spending more money because you want to make sure everybody really enjoys Christmas. Well, when we get in these moments in our head, we have these Christmas moments, or these Christmas story moments where because I felt so good coming off the stage, it mm -hmm. was almost wanting to make sure everybody got to that same level of feedback. But I love the pause at the end of that because it, if you don't change the state of your mind in a moment, you'll revert to the state you're most comfortable with. Right. Right. Yeah. It's funny because I've had conversations with my mom who is, who was the, the director of a, the credit card division for a bank. So she has business conversations. She talks to people about money all the time. And she's like, I, you know, I just don't know how you can do sales. Cause you know, how you asking people to give you money. I'm like, Mom, you mm -hmm. run a credit card company. Um, and, you and see so people spend money, right? Yeah, and, <laughs> but it's that whole different idea of how she works with money from the accountant-looking bookkeeper-style stuff than managing a whole bunch of people who manage that for a uh, division of a bank. Uh, and then me uh, going out and actually selling stuff. So it's mm -hmm. there's a whole different mindset for that type of conversation as opposed to managing money and being able to talk finances and columns and you know and and helping people understand yeah well no you actually own this owe this much on your credit card and you have to pay it uh you know or you know no you can't buy that you have to deposit more because this is a, a secured card so you know a completely different type of conversation and so is it the is it the money that is the issue or is it the asking for it? Mm. Yeah, that's, that's uh, that is a really uh, fabulous question because money, money is data. Money is just a number. Money, money just is. It's not money itself is not emotional. It's our experience of money that is emotional. It's our understanding of what money means to ourself and to the person that, you know, across from us, that part is emotional. The financial decision-making is emotional. The money itself just is. Um, Something that helped me wrap my head around this, Hannah, was, was thinking or understanding that making money is a skill set. Yes. Yeah. So, so it's not anything other than learning the skill of making money. Mm -hmm. Now, there are factors that play into it. Your upbringing and the likes may play into it. And some people grew up in environments where it's never talked about 
for generations. You know, like right. I come from a very, very blue collar family that, you know, we didn't talk about money in the household. We still don't talk about money in the household. Other than if somebody gets somebody something new, the first word that anybody in my family's mouth is, ooh, what'd that cost? You right. know, um, right. which is its own different headdress. So, so when you're brought up in an environment where nobody's ever talked about money, it can be a massive mental leap to start changing your money stories. But for me, changing it to money, making money is a skill set means, okay, now it's just something I have to go learn, which allowed me to pull a lot of the emotions out of the damn thing. Right. And, and for me, truly, um, Kevin, you brought up a really good point that like the data, like looking at money objectively, looking at it as, um, again, that it's just information. Um, you know, so I, I've, two businesses, X squared wealth planning, we do that, right? In that we look at all of the data and the numbers and like really take an honest assessment of where we are. And on the business planning side of that, you know, a lot of people put these mm, partitions or, you know, these silos up that this is my personal money or this is, you know, this is my income that I'm taking from my business and this is the business, but what they don't realize is that when they are having trouble asking for the sale, when they are having trouble pricing their services accordingly, when they are having trouble collecting on invoices, those those th three things, like even just those three, will 100% affect what they're able to then you know do with their business, their revenue, their income, their their stability. Um, so instead of just saying, "All right, what are you paying yourself?" and let's plan from there. No, we have to dive into the business. We have to bring that same level of awareness to, you know, what's happening when someone isn't paying your invoice. What, what are you, it's not, what are they doing? It's what are you, what are you feeling? What's coming up for you? And you know what the story usually is? Uh, I've, I've like emailed them and then I like, I called them and left a message and they didn't get back to me. And that was how, when was that? Uh, it was like a week or two ago. I'm like, okay, so what happens if you hold yourself into the esteem of I did that work, they agreed to pay that money. And let's let's just go have an honest conversation about what's owed rather than, oh, it feels bad. Well, it, it feels bad to ask someone for money. Is it that people are bringing their own personal financials into the business, meaning they're if, selling from someone they're selling they're selling from someone else's pocket, right? That yes, would be a, yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So yes, because, they're putting you know, themselves there. They don't like the collection calls or in the likes that they may be getting. So now mm -hmm. they're on the other end of the phone and they're instantly going, God, I know how shitty that feels. So right. I can't I don't want to do that to somebody else. So exactly. It, it's interesting because you have the people on one hand who can't ask for money, who can't ask for the sale. Um but are okay with money as a data point and can look at it and do all that stuff and play with the figures and, and, and manage a budget. But then you have the opposite. You have the people like me and Donnie who are quite fine asking for the sale, uh, but we don't want to look at the data. <laughs> you know, yeah. we, uh, we, we have to look at our bank account. We have to actually figure out cash flow. We have to do all that stuff. You know, uh, mm -hmm. we have to, we have to actually enter stuff into our books, you know, is what, what causes someone to be okay with that, but then have the whole aversion to actually knowing what's going on in their business and looking at money from that way? That, that typically looks like it, it's, um, it's a defense mechanism is what it typically is. 
is that, you know, I'm selling, I'm doing, I'm working, I'm doing the work, right? Here I go. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. I am going to put the blinders on here so that I don't have to feel bad in some way, shape or form. If it's not matching. Oh, that's interesting. So yeah. So, so if the bank account is not a reflection of the work, then it may be proved a theory or a thought process of, well, maybe you're not working as hard as you think you are. Right. 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 Something you, along the lines. Exactly. Then you'll, you spy, you spiral back into those feelings of like not doing enough. Right. And so that tends to be, it tends to be a head in the sand issue. It doesn't mean you're putting your head in the sand everywhere, but it is a place where, where entrepreneurs will put up, you know, just like a heavy curtain, like, nope, not looking at that. And I'll just, when shit blows up, we'll I'll handle deal with it, it then. then. <laughs> <laughs> right, I've always right. figured it out. Right, right exactly. You, that's literally the language. You know, I've mm. always made it through before, you know, I don't know. It just always tends to work out. And it always tends to work out until your business is the one that's like, here's the recession. You have not created any sort of safety at all. And you're the one who doesn't have time to pivot. You're the one who can't cover any payroll for more than a week. You're the one who has to lay off everything and go back to square one because you weren't, you weren't willing to look at it proactively when things were going, when things were humming along, when there could have been choices that you could have made to, to set yourself up for, because the challenging times will always come. For they sure. will always come. A lot of that stems from people are actually trying to recreate a job and not actually build a company. Mm -hmm. They want to work less than they did when they work for others. But get paid but more. But do it on their own time. Yeah, but get paid more, do it on their own time and have this idea of freedom. So they're trying to recreate an environment where should they can only work when they want to, you know, do things. They negate the idea that they actually need to build a company. And that's a lot of fucking hard work. Mm -hmm. And it's leaning into doing the hard things, learning the cash flow, learning to sell, learning to do the operational things, a lot of learning to do a lot of the boring, mundane things that's required to run a successful business. And I think this is goes right hand in hand. It's just one of those things where people want it to be easy they don't want it to be hard so they want it to be okay let's just set it forget it let's plug it in let's go and then let's run away from it all um so i think this is cool to put this into the entire scope of things how does someone go about start working on their money stories well first how do they identify their money stories let's go there yeah identifying money stories um uh, there are different ways to do it usually to do it proactively would be through doing some, you know, like asking those introspective questions. Um, if you want to, to start identifying those without it being a reaction, because most of the time it's that it's a reaction to something, right? It is that, oh, that invoice didn't get paid on time. I have to make payroll. And then what's coming up, right? What are the emotions that are coming up when a negative money occurrence happens? Also, what is coming up when a positive money instance happens, right? Either way, what your emotional state brings up when anything that touches money comes into your world, that's starting, you know, to tell you clues. And for most people, most things are negative, right? If, if things are good with money, you're not really like thinking about it. It's when the like, oh shit, I don't have 
what I want, or I want that thing and I can't have it, or, you know, I have to pay this bill and I'm going to have to shift these things around, right? That's where, that's where we tend to feel those emotions coming up. And you can then identify, like walk that back. What is that? What does that remind me of? What does that remind me of from when I was a child? What does that remind me of from when I was a teenager? What was, or even in college, right? A lot of us have these money stories of, um, and when I was in college, man, I think, I think we could make it on like $15 a week for food. I have no idea. Right. Like how did we even do that? But you know, there, you know, there are money stories from that are imprinted on all of us. And the, the way to do it proactively is, you know, to kind of clear that quiet space and, you know, ask, ask yourself, like dive into what is my earliest money memory. And just sit with that until it comes. And for some people, it's like um, a client. Oh, my God, it was such a good one. Um, the other day, she said, my earliest money memory is my dad coming in with a tote bag full of bills. Like he was a he was a lawyer and he ran a law firm. And that was when she was just really, really little and took his tote bag and dumped and like had all the bills that he had to pay. Um, and it was so interesting. So we kept exploring that. And how that was, you know, there was another piece to it that also was like, oh, there's the there's the puzzle piece that's showing you why this pattern is repeating on loop now that you're 40. And she was like, oh, like I didn't even I didn't even connect that, but the feeling is the same. The feeling that I get when I have to utilize credit in one way or another, right? The sh- it, it like feels like shame. Why does it feel like shame? Why does it feel like shame to use debt in your business? That's a normal thing, right? A lot of us do that. And it's necessary at sometimes and sometimes it's not, right? But we can make that choice about it. And there's not, there's no reason for shame or guilt to be tied to it. So if shame or guilt is tied to something that comes from a money decision, that's one of your first clues of, whoa, where is this coming from? Shame, fear, shame, fear, and guilt are the three main ones. It's so fascinating because literally that correlates to anything else you're doing, whether in life or business is those, Mm -hmm. those emotions are some of the biggest emotions that pop up when you're trying to do things. You could say the same thing, whether it's a sales call, whether it's following processes in your company, you know, in the likes, you know, all of those emotions, good or bad are all triggers off of something that most likely recurred in our past. And, uh, you know, and, uh, I'm not big on the woo-woo side of things. Um, yes, I really like the action. No, <laughs> no. Once upon a time, man, I, I fell hook on sinker for all that stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't care who who's you look up to or think is successful. And I don't care how many times they tell you that they're manifesting their destiny by freaking magically fairy dust. You go look at all the hard work they put in. They busted their ass to get where they are. Um, Mm -hmm. and are just using that platform to sell air. I don't know, but you know, just the idea for anybody is that self-exploration of where you're actually getting to know the person in the mirror, because, um, it took me almost losing everything to finally start looking at, okay, who the hell am I? Who is this guy? How's he showing up? Yeah. And Uh, I think that's, I think that's true for most of us, you know, that it, it takes, that triggering event of some sort where things are crumbling around you. For me, it was when, you know, I was being told I wasn't going to be successful as a financial advisor because I wasn't doing it the way that the 70 year old 
white guys were doing it. Right. Like I right. can't sell like you cause I'm not you cause I don't want to, cause it feels terrible to me. And so, you know, when my, that was crumbling, crum my world was crumbling around me. And that was a huge turning point for me to look inside and say, what do I want? What do I want to create? What do I know? I know that I'm here for this purpose, for what I'm doing right now. And when I turned around and did it on my own, there we go. Yeah. Dude, I, I <laughs> Living well say, is the best revenge, right? Absolutely. I, I, and I keep telling everybody that if you want to meet the person in the mirror and you really want to figure out who you are and how to find success in life, start a business. Because there is no greater tool on this planet to get punched in the face than to put yourself out there, get to a point where you run out of excuses and realize life's on you. Uh, you either will chicken out and go back to corporate America and, and get a job and go work for somebody else, or you're going to meet the person in the mirror because you're going to put your head down, get to work and get after it. Uh, mm -hmm. It's, it's, I've, I've never, I've, so many entrepreneurs I've talked to hit that point, that moment of, all right, what the fuck? It's time to do something here. Right. So, I, I think there's um, this huge disconnect in our society as a whole about how money is created. Mm. And and I think a lot of people. It's just printed, right? Yeah, exactly. They don't. In, under, in excess. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't understand because you see this all the time. And because right now we're in such a divided uh uh, state in our country uh, with one side and the one versus the other side with a lot of people talking about, you know, not understanding why billionaires are billionaires and, you know, why you need that mm -hmm. much money. But I, I think the big issue is they don't understand what they did to get there. You know, I, I think a lot of people just have this assumption that, you know, if you're a billionaire, you just have the money. You, they, you know, as a, we have a completely different viewpoint as business owners, the three of us knowing, <laughs> no, uh, you don't you know have, much fucking work yeah, they had exactly. to do to get there. <laughs> it wasn't, you know, obviously there are people who just get, Oh, Hey, here's, here's your silver spoon. And you're now, you're now a billionaire because your dad passed away. Here's all the, here's all the stuff that does happen. Yes. Mm -hmm. But for the bulk of people that become, a, who become millionaires, even there was a lot of effort to do that. And there mm -hmm. is a lot of time and experience that goes on. And I think people don't understand how, how capitalism works and the whole concept of how you create something that people want. And that's how you generate revenue. Uh, and the, you know, yeah. and, and I think that really sets up that mindset of, well, you know, you should just, just pay me stuff. Well, why? Right. Yeah. You're touching on something um, that is actually like, it's a huge piece of my heart um, to change the way that we view what it means to be prosperous to change the way what you know, how we view being a billionaire um, and a millionaire and how we allow the process of creating prosperity to touch others lives so billionaires like you know um mark cuban or elon you know, musk any, elon musk right yeah i mean he that there's a little bit of difference when you're talking about like you have like one stock that, you know, can really change, you know, someone's net worth like Tesla or Amazon. Um, but any billionaire, I think Richard Branson is an yep. excellent example of this. He allows new innovations to come into the world. He is so full of ideas, right? And then he goes and finds the right person 
to implement that idea. But what he's doing is he's creating value. He's creating things that people want to buy. He is, you know, making things better than what he experienced. And really the measure, the measure of wealth is not what Richard Branson doesn't just like make money and then keep it. Yeah, he has a lot of money. But what's happening is that more is flowing to him and through him. He has figured out how to allow wealth to, you know, come to him in so many different ways and been able to be a good steward of that. And so that so many families, so many people are, you know, his employees across all of his companies, right? They are making living wages because of him. They are able to buy and like push money out into their own economies because of that. So it's not the fact, yeah, he has billions of dollars that are still his, but trillions and trillions are passing through the economy because of him. And yeah. every billionaire that exists for the most part has created something new in the world or, you know, their, their, you know, previous generations created something new in the world that, that really impacted millions and billions of lives. That's so awesome. So Hannah, we can sit here and chat with you all day long, girl. <laughs> yeah. This has been so awesome. How do people find you? Oh, two ways. Um, expansiveceo.com um, is my newest business baby. Um, and X Squared Wealth Planning uh, is my wealth planning firm. That's X and then the numeral two wealthplanning.com. And you can find me on LinkedIn, um, YouTube, the Expansive CEO podcast, um, Facebook, Instagram, all over the freaking place. That's awesome. Girl, thank you so much for doing this. Love hanging out with you. Thank you for just being the badass you are. And mm -hmm. man, go continue to impact and change lives. Mm, same. Same to you guys. See you, babe. Bye. So that was cool. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. I still can't believe that I fucking, you know, turned down free $300. Twice. <laughs> yeah. Twice. 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 <laughs> uh. But but I think that's the whole idea, and I, and I love that whole concept of that Mandy talked about, and then you know Hannah dived into that. You know, it's Christmas, the Christmas money. Like I want yeah. I want to make everyone feel excited about what they're doing and have, feel as good as I do right now, because I, I know I'm that way around Christmas. Like, ooh, what what's a cool ass gift that's probably going to cost too much, but I'm going to get it anyway. Uh, me, and my mom were talking this year at Christmas, you know, just before Christmas, and she's like, yeah, I got the Christmas presents, you know. Uh, you know, I, I think I spent like $50 for, you know, for so-and-so I'm like, oh, so we're not following the $25 gift <laughs> rule for it's like, well, that's a guideline that, you know, that's like a minimum. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'll, okay. I'll reword that for next year. Uh, so, you know, but you know, that's totally what Christmas is. It's like, Ooh, how much money can I spend? Yeah. Since I want someone else. I mean, I, really cool our family around Christmas used to look like the Who's and Whovilles that are like maxing out credit cards and you know trying to. They're like celebrating. I just maxed out my twelfth credit card. You know, Ooh, uh, Christmas is going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I so I, I love that concept. And then I, to your point, I love Hannah's reframe of you know where all that comes from. Yep. Yeah, and the which leads really into that. You know that the the uh, stories the money stories and yeah. i was when we were talking about that with hannah i was literally going through my head thinking about all right so what how was money talked about when i was a kid growing up on the farm 
And it was interesting because I can remember dad and mom having taken over the kitchen table with all the bookkeeping stuff for the farm and doing all the records and entering in, all right, we sold these and got this. And then we paid, we bought feed and, and putting in all this detailed stuff manually. And it wasn't even, you know, like now you can go into QuickBooks and then type it all in. No, this is like literally writing it down. Uh, and I remember that really vividly. But, you know, I then I don't really remember like talking about money. Other than, you know, when we'd be shopping for school clothes, I'm like, oh, mom, I, those are the coolest jeans. I got to have those for school. And she's like, yeah, no, th those are too expensive. We're not spending $100 on jeans uh, for a kid that's going to grow out of them in two months. That No, that's not a thing. Uh, and so other than that, you know, there wasn't really, you know, they didn't talk about money in front of me. Yeah, you know, and I, we we didn't talk about money either, but, you know, I grew up dirt damn poor. Um, and, you know, I, I literally remember teachers handing me a bag of clothes, you know, as a kid. Um, and, you know, mom worked in factories, dad was a truck driver, you know, growing up. And they didn't talk about money ever except for not having any. And, you know, I think that that carried, you know, uh, along with me for quite a while, um, even to a point of, you know, we made a major family move going from Kansas to Texas and moving in with family. And if it wasn't for my oldest brother uh, working a job and paying for the move, we wouldn't have been able to afford to make the move. And that was the greatest you know, thing that ever happened to our family at that point was getting out of Kansas and getting closer to some family in Texas. And it put us into a opportunity to get into a higher um, career field for my parents and better schools for us. Um, and dad ended up retiring from Xerox and mom ended up uh, retiring as a receptionist. Uh, but they would have never gotten those opportunities had they not got out of there. So, but I think that I still come from a take care of everybody mentality. Mom and dad were always picking up the dinners they couldn't afford. You know, they were always, you know, making sure we got to go do the things that they couldn't afford. I remember begging to go to a church camp one time and, and uh, they literally couldn't afford it. And uh, I went to tell the church that I couldn't go and me and the youth minister got into a fist fight over it because they told me that I was supposed to be a leader of these kids and there was no way I couldn't go. And I I, I told him, like, literally, you cannot afford it. And he told me I was letting down the church and everything got right up in my face. So I cold cocked him. Um, <laughs> So and and right, that is a, a a story that you and I are gonna have to talk about more at some point. Oh, dude, I've, <laughs> I've got so many stories around around uh, the churches I went to is insane. But um, uh, literally, uh, there was a lot of times that when I came home and told mom and dad what happened, next thing I know, they were paying for the damn you know uh, church camp. Um, but I went with a different church. I didn't go with my own church, um, which is interesting all in itself. But I think there was a, oftentimes mom and dad always tried to do right by us and didn't give a shit what it cost them financially. And I think I've lived up to that standard. You know, if we go out to the bars, you know, that Christmas money idea comes into play. I want to pick up the tab for everybody. I want everybody to have a good time, you know, and, you know, so continuing to explore where all that stuff comes from is, is going to be a fascinating tale. So guys, I hope you got some value out of this one. We sure did. It was really fun talking to Hannah. I got some great takeaways and some thoughts to go explore. Uh, do us a favor. Make sure that you're subscribed to the show. If you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and ring that bell for us. So you get notified of upcoming episodes, leave a comment, send us a message or, and, and share this out with people. I'd love to get your thoughts and takeaways on this one. 
So uh, make sure you share this out with one person. And as always, love you, made it. See you, bye. When I created Success Champions, it was on the idea that most people make themselves an island as they're growing their business. Yet they just don't want people to know how bad things are because if anybody knew how bad things are, nobody would do business with you. So like me, they don't often reach out for advice. They don't get support. They just try and put their head down and grind through it. And let's be honest, man, that, that lifestyle sucks. And when you're constantly trying to find yourself to push through it and figure it out on your own, it often leads to misery. We created Success Champions so you don't make yourself an island, so you don't build your business alone. There are a ton of people that are going through it on the same journey that are looking for the same advice you are. Maybe they've been through it and are looking to help. So come hang out with Success Champions. Go to successchampionnetworking.com. Go visit one of our peer groups and let's help you actually get to business freedom. Don't build your business alone. Come hang with us as Success Champions.